0: Well, I want to start today by saying that I got the idea for this week's sermon prior to the pandemic. And since life itself has changed for all of us so dramatically in the last uh, 120 days or so, and the focus of this message might be harder to understand in today's new COVID world, well, I found myself having to make a choice between one, dropping the idea altogether for this sermon, or maybe taking a little deeper look into the value of discussing this topic. What's the topic? No time to cook. No time to cook. Well, what do I mean by that anyway? Well, let me take a stab at this for a minute, okay? Pre-COVID people, a lot of pre-COVID people were very busy. Busy in a different way maybe working long hours, driving a lot, maybe rushing around town, in between appointments and commitments and so forth. And then, after a long day, finally getting home just in time to rest up before the next day would start the cycle all over again. So for many busy people, the whole reality of not having time to cook, well, probably made a lot more sense, at that time anyway, And it would have been easier to grasp in, I think, maybe a pre-COVID world. What the heck, I kind of understand. Because swinging by a drive through coffee shop for a cold brew was getting to be a regular part of my day. All right, wait just a minute, though. A quick drink on the run during a busy day is not exactly the same as having a long day, a long busy day, and not being able to find time to cook. No time to cook, huh? Well, what would that have to do with today's scripture lesson? Well, let's hear from the book of Joshua chapter 5, and I think we're hearing about a time in their lives, the lives of God's people, when they had to learn how to cook. Most of them, possibly, had to learn how to cook for the first time In their entire lives. Joshua chapter 5. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the fourteenth day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year they ate of the produce of the land of Canaan. Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. So ends the reading. Well, as we continue today, please keep in mind that much of what I already said in the introduction to this sermon, mostly about the busyness of life, is from my personal experience. It might not be yours, but it certainly has been my experience. We all agree that life has changed dramatically for all of us in the last few months. But no doubt the opposite of actually finding time to cook or not is truer for our essential workers, and I just wanted to mention them for a minute, like our healthcare heroes, for example. I'm betting it's pretty easy for them, especially today, to relate to not having time to cook, especially after a really long day. So that said, diligently remaining faithful to their vocation their calling during these perilous times and preserving at all costs, persevering at all costs, I should say, would be a much more appropriate image of faithfulness for those who don't have time to cook, who don't have time to cook ever. Okay, well, what exactly is the point here, Michael? Well, I'm putting a pause on this week's message to just say that hard, diligent, hardworking, diligent, faithful work of any description is a fitting image for day by day becoming more like Jesus. But for today and for this week's message, as we follow the story in the travels of Israel with Joshua being the leader now into the land flowing with milk and honey, we're choosing to look, for a moment anyway, at cultivating crops, caring for the land, planning meals, and cooking our food. So just stay with me here for a few more minutes, okay? Now Joshua was the new leader of God's people. You might remember that. Moses was out of the picture. It was now up to Joshua to not only lead God's people into the promised land, but Joshua was also the one to encourage and support a whole new way of living. Remember, that would have been a new way of living for most of the people who had made the trip. A whole new way of producing food, a whole new way of piecing together a culture that would someday be the home for God's promised Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, Moses led them through the 40 years. The 40 years it took for them to leave behind their lives as slaves and their pervasive mentality as enslaved captives, so that now, moving into their new home, they could diligently, faithfully learn on their own how to be good stewards of the land that God had gifted them. David Guzik, author of the Enduring Word Commentary, he says it this way. Listen to this. This reproach that was rolled away by God and he notes, go back and look at verse 9, was their shame from Egypt, the shame of generations of Israelites living in degrading slavery. The reproach was rolled away by their radical trust and obedience to God, which they now demonstrated in their new homes. Guzik later added this, when the people were able to provide for themselves from the rich produce of Canaan, God stopped the manna. He didn't want them to get lazy. He wanted them into, he wanted them to enter into a new partnership of trust with him. Ah, a partnership of trust between God and his people. Now it's becoming a little easier to understand, I think. The manna was gone. No more food would drop from heaven. God depositing on the ground each night the food for the next day had now come to an end. The food delivery by Pharaoh's taskmasters to the slaves was a faint and distant memory for some of the very eldest who had survived the trip. The drive-in windows were closed and grocery delivery wasn't available anymore in their new zip code. Finally, it was time for the Israelites to, one, be the masters of their own agrarian society, and two, it was time for them I'm arguing today to become accomplished in the culinary arts. In other words, for God's people to progress and grow and learn and take ownership of their new home and be faith-filled caretakers, they had to make time to cook. They couldn't say anymore, hey, don't have time to cook. No, they had to make time to cook, which brings me now to the point of this crazy, Message for today. Well, many of you know that Wendy and I've been on a diet of sorts, but I think it's way more accurate to say that we've been eating way too much and we've been moving way too little in this COVID world, and we simply made a thoughtful decision to switch it all around, exercise more, and eat different things and carefully watch our, por- our portions when it comes to our daily eating habits. We didn't want to adopt a short-lived diet or some fad that would eventually fade away, but we wanted to put into action meaningful, significant change in our living habits. So as part of the change in eating, it's precipitated and kind of an adjustment in cooking, uh, kind of in uh, learning new forms of the culinary arts, as I mentioned before. Yes, we have intentionally made time to cook. And we intentionally prepare healthy meals now. So, the other day, I was moved to cook dinner. And not to bore you with all the wonderful details of the meal that I personally and single-handedly prepared from start to finish. I do remember this. We're sitting at the dinner, dinner table right after the meal is cooked carefully and served. And we're at the table looking at each other and she says, Hey, Honey, honey bunny, you're getting pretty pretty good in the kitchen. Now, mind you, I didn't ask Wendy for any help. On my own, I came up with a healthy menu. And it was on my own that I figured out exactly how to prepare the special dinner. And it was served with care and with gusto, I might add. So, in today's lesson, in the book of Joshua... You and I are reminded about the life of God's people moving into a brand new chapter in their lives. Actually, a whole new understanding of how to survive. Getting the lay of their own land now. And finally, learning to grow and make tough decisions and struggle through life and learning to live on their own, trusting only in God, in God's providence, in God's leading and in God teaching them how to care for their own land and for their own lives. In the past, remember, God had fed them bread in the wilderness, but now now it's up to them to work the land, to figure out how to plant crops, to nurture the land, and to learn how to live faithfully in their own agrarian society, thereby producing their own food. Yes, it's now time for them to fully participate in faithful daily living and harvest the fruits of their own faithfulness and diligence. So, if you've been with me and following this crazy sermon about having time to cook, maybe this is starting to make perfect sense, right? You know, quite often you and I will meet people who will tell us, I don't have time to cook, sorry. And many of them spend much of their lives and a lot of money, you might say, eating in restaurants if they're open and or living on takeout food or curbside delivery. And as illustrated above, many whose job depends on them laboring long hours each day like our essential workers. If it wasn't for quickie meals and takeout windows and curbside delivery well, they'd have a tough time finding their next meal, and we all understand that. That said, I understand for you hearing this sermon today that this having time to cook or not to cook example might be a bit trite, or possibly doesn't even fit with your lifestyle at all. But think again just for a minute. When it was time for God's people to finally move into their own land, the Promised Land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the Bible says, a beautiful country where they could that they could now make into a lasting home, a huge part of the deal, and this is important, a huge part of the deal was that they would then learn how to be good stewards of what God had gifted to them. Now it does sound familiar. So finally, where would we be if we never made the effort to get the the lay of the land, to learn about God, to learn about ourselves, to learn and grow and finally become faithful in the knowledge of Jesus? And where would we be, as we said last week, if we did not allow God to chip away at our lives day by day Uncovering the image of Jesus that dwells in each of us. Where would we be if we refused the partnership of trust, as mentioned before, between God and ourselves? Where would we be assuming we do have the time And we do have the desire. And we do have the heart to get to know God. Where would we be if we didn't act upon that desire? Where would we be if we didn't realize that God wants to teach us how to be like Him in every way? Chipping away at that image chipping away and uncovering a life where we live more and more like Jesus every day of our lives, is there a chance that by not being an active, trusting participant in our own daily discipleship that we would not know Jesus as Savior, the way, the truth, and the life? I have a friend who asks me how to do everything. And for many years, I thought the friendly, compassionate, and supportive thing to do was to answer all his questions and to tell him what to do. Years later, I see that my friend still asks me the very same questions. Why? I'm thinking that I didn't challenge and empower my friend to live his own life. I'm thinking that I did not push him enough to learn and grow from his own mistakes. I've wondered what I could have done differently. Maybe I could have worked harder to establish a trusting partnership between myself and my friend, who's still trying to learn how to live and grow and make decisions for himself. Oh God, this image of not having time to cook seems a bit silly but we ask anyway, okay? Give us all the wisdom and insight to see beyond the manna in the wilderness. Help us to see beyond the quail that's dropped at our doorsteps. Help us to see beyond the kitchen and the refrigerator and the drive-in windows and the curbside delivery to hear today's message for what it truly is. We are called Each one of us. We are empowered to be faith-filled stewards. A good caretaker of what you have given us. Be it family, spouse, children, friends, property. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's our animals or our pets. Good stewards of our work. Good caretakers of our family. Maybe a neighbor. Even good caretakers, as our destiny is your disciple. Continue to teach us, O God, and lead us to be gracious and diligent and faithful caretakers, especially of our own souls, beginning today, beginning now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen.